Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Thursday, January 18th edition of the Basement Academy. Uh, we will continue on with our reflection on generation to generation, and today we'll talk about some remedies, talk about the reasons people maybe quit church or turn away from God or don't uh, embrace what we might offer them in the gospel. Uh, today we'll talk about some remedies, but I want to start with a portion of a psalm. Again, the psalm is so very long. Psalm 78, I think I'll just read the first mm, eight or nine verses. We did this two Sundays ago. I guess this is the same passage, so it's great language here. This is a psalm of Asaph, one of the early worship leaders in Israel. O oh, my people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter hidden things, things from of old. What we have heard and known, what our fathers have told us, we will not hide them from their children. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power, and the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our forefathers to teach their children so the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. They would not be like their forefathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to him. Ouch. <laughs> that last verse is somewhat painful. Lord, hear our prayer as we seek to do our part in passing the faith to the next generation. Um. So yesterday I, I gave a number of reasons why it is that people may uh, have stopped or stop going to church or kind of deconvert. They become a non-vert. I guess the one I didn't mention, which is what I should have led with, is, oh yeah, everybody's a sinner and sin sometimes all the time, I guess, will drive us away from God. Now, our sin and our conscience and our guilt and our shame drives us to God seeking forgiveness. That's what ought to happen. But sometimes, just in the stubbornness and hardness of heart, people just say, I want nothing to do with God. So we can't discount that reality also. Okay, enough said. Let, let me shake my thoughts around kind of two categories of people. Those of us who tried to pass the faith on, or who have tried or are trying to pass the faith to the next generation, be it our children or, or, or grandchildren, and those of us who didn't know we were supposed to try, <laughs> maybe came to faith later in life after the kids were grown and you know, they were of age, and so there, there may be some of us that that is the case uh, as well. So let, let me start, which for what I think is the, the bulk of the 
um, reality for most of us. We tried, are trying, ha, ha, you know, have tried to, to pass the faith along. Keep praying. So if you've tried to pass the faith, if you've wanted your children to walk in the ways of Christ and perhaps they are not right now or there's not outward evidence of that, I'm going to make the assumption that you've prayed for them. So keep praying. Do not stop praying. Keep asking God. Uh, I've got listed on the whiteboard three suggestions. One, pray according to God's promises. Um, if you tried, then you would have had your child baptized. You would have presented that child for baptism. They would have been baptized when they were young or you oversaw their life. And at a certain point, as they got a little older, you saw to it that they were baptized. And if you didn't do that, then maybe you didn't try. <laughs> okay, so I'll just say it that way. Um, and so pray on the basis of God's baptismal faithfulness, God's promises, God's covenantal realities. God makes a promise to us that he will be the God of our children when we present our children to him. When they are baptized, God enters into a a covenant with them, not just with us, but also with them. So pray on the basis of God's promises. Lord, fulfill your promises in my child's life. Bring them to full awareness of yourself, of Jesus Christ. So, that, so pray that way. Second, pray for your child or grandchild to have a soft heart to the things of God. Have a soft heart to the things of the faith. Have a soft heart towards the word of God, and then open ears. So a soft heart and open ears. Faith comes by hearing. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And so um, there's so much noise in our society. And there, you know, as we get on in life, our hearts sometimes become a bit hardened to things. And so pray for soft heart and open ears. And then Pray for God to send someone else. Send one of your people, O oh Lord, into my child or grandchild's life to be a faithful witness to Christ. Be it a, a, a friend, a co-worker, uh, an employer, a boss, uh, a spouse, right? Um, God, do what you do best. Raise up witnesses for the gospel and send that witness into the, the path of my child or my grandchild. So anyway, keep praying. Keep praying for their, their well-being. There's other ways to pray, but, but I offer these. Second, I would offer, in the spirit of what where we landed yesterday, we must engage in self-examination. We say we tried, but did we do everything in our power? Did we discipline our children correctly? Did we, um, you know, say our prayers faithfully at the dinner table? Did we uh, talk about God? Did we talk about the things of the faith as we sat and when we rose and when we went out and walking along the road, when we lay down at night, uh, you know, the language of Deuteronomy 6? Maybe we didn't do as much as we thought we did. And so engage in self-examination. Also engage in self-examination around the hypocrisy. Have you made politics more important than faith in your life? Or have you, that, that's 
maybe the, the better way of saying it, have you mashed your politics and your faith together so that they are inseparable? And it may actually be your political views that are turning your child or grandchild away, right? And your stridency around those political views and because you've, you've mashed them together with the faith, you think that this is the only possible way a Christian could be. And so you, since your child doesn't share your political views and convictions, well, if that's what Christians believe, I want nothing to do with being a Christian. So, so practice self-examination. And then your own manner of life. Have you set the proper example? Has your manner of speech, has your manner of conduct, have your attitudes towards others, the, the manner in which you spend your time, the manner in which you spend your money, have these reflected the, uh, a, a heart that is fully devoted to God and his kingdom and Jesus Christ? Anyone who practiced self-examination along those lines should come out to the answer, no, I, 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 all my life is not perfectly in conformity. And so practice self-examination and then apologize to your child. It will be an uncomfortable experience. It'll be uncomfortable for you and probably uncomfortable for them, but you, don't, you, can, you can soften that and say, hey, could, I'd love to take you out to, to eat got some things just want to talk through with you and you know they're going to think you've got a health concern or something right you know they're, they're not going to know what but you will have their interest so in whatever manner after you've practiced faithful self-examination and, and you're, you're not going to make excuses you know I tried to do this but no 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 a genuine apology I I, I want to apologize to you I, you know uh, Jesus Christ is very important and central to my life, or at least that's what I thought. But, you know, over a period of weeks, I've been thinking about my life and I realize I have not always been a faithful witness to Jesus Christ in your life, you know, and then feel free, you know, that time I X, the, the, the other time I did Y, the time I didn't do Z, you know, whatever, you'll know the situations in your life that will catch their attention that you know they know about. And that will be so disarming. But you're, you're, you're framing it in the context of your life in Christ and your responsibility to lead them and say, you know, I, I've thought I had made it a, a high priority in my life to pass the faith on. And, you know, this isn't about you. This is about me. You know, I realize I have not been a faithful witness a faithful example, you know, I just want to, you know, ask your forgiveness and, and apologize to you. So that I think would be central that that's critical. I've, I've done that a time or two and it's, it's tricky. I'll say it that way. Uh, so don't scold, don't nag, uh, don't make excuses up here. Don't make excuses up here. Don't scold or, or nag, but don't be afraid of speaking of your faith. Don't, be, don't, don't avoid the topic if it comes up, if there's a news item or some other occasion. You know, if your child or grandchild has struggles, hey, I just want you to know I'm praying for you and praying, you know, God's best for you. Or, you know, write them a note or a card. Um, this other one, again, has some emotional 
challenge associated with it. I, I suspect all of these do, uh, but, but this one in particular. You might consider writing a letter, handwritten, in your own writing, perhaps, if anybody does that anymore. Um, you can determine the length, but write a letter to be opened later. I, I'm not advocating that you send the letter. It, it might actually be that later is after you have died. Now, I don't want to wait that long. I want to send the letter and have the conversation with them, then send that letter too. <clears throat> and that may be how you do your apology. It might be easier to do your apology in a written form. So you say it without stumbling over it, without interruption, without some of the awkwardness. <clears throat> But write a letter to be opened after you're gone that bears witness to your faith, your hope, your love, your desire for them. Let it be your final words to them. I mean, you know, you'll have some final words. By God's grace, we'll all have final words with our, our loved ones, right? Sometimes death comes in a way that doesn't allow that, I recognize. But whatever the last word was is the final word. Let this be the final word. Instead of a harsh word or a casual word or an indifferent word or, a, you know, talking about the sports and the weather word, write a letter that serves effectively as the last word that you will speak to your children. Perhaps it will be read at your service. Perhaps it will not, but it will be treasured. It will be kept forever. No matter what your relationship is with your child or your grandchildren, if you were to write each child, each grandchild, a letter to be open, so have it, you know, wherever your, your you know, special papers are, you know, your, your, your final wishes, et cetera, so I, I offer that as a consideration. I have not done this, but I anticipate that I will. You should do it sooner rather than later, right? We all should because tomorrow's not promised. So that, that's, a, that's a witness beyond the grave that you're still speaking and having influence, but that letter will be treasured. And so be thoughtful about that. Perhaps there's my favorite Bible verses. This is what Jesus Christ has meant to me. Here's what my faith has meant to me. And here's how I've prayed for you over the years. So you can just pour it out all in love, not in scolding, nagging, you know, correcting or anything, uh, only blessing. And then I, I guess I would just say love at all times. So we're going to just keep loving our kids and our grandkids, right? We're not going to, we're not going to make our love for them conditioned upon their accepting the faith. And if they don't accept Christ, in my lifetime, well, I'm just going to withhold my love and blessing and whatever. That would be the silliest thing, and it would not reflect that you really understand the gospel. Love at all times. Lay down your life. <clears throat> I remind you of the story of the prodigal son from Luke chapter 15. The father granted half the inheritance, allowed the son to go, and waited patiently. I'm sure the father's heart was broken. I'm sure the mother's heart was broken too. <clears throat> we don't read about her. Um, the prodigal son story is in our Bibles for a reason. And so let us have the patient endurance, faith, compassion of the, the prodigal's father 
you know, for those who we believe have gone astray. And then, of course, <clears throat> there's another son at home whose heart is just as hard, right? So there's actually two sons, you know. There may be a child who dutifully goes to church with you or you know they go to church, but but their heart and seems cold. Um, and so uh, I'll, just, I'll just stop there. Okay, so these are some possible remedies for those who have tried to pass the faith on to the next generation, and it doesn't seem yet as if it's taken. Now, <clears throat> there may be some of us listening here in the Basement Academy who, golly, I didn't know I was supposed to try. I, I was the prodigal. I was running from God. <clears throat> I was married. I had children. Maybe things didn't work out uh, in a marriage. Again, I don't know who's listening and I don't know everyone's circumstances. But, but for instance, you, when your children were young, when they were growing up, you didn't know. You, you yourself weren't attending church. Or if you did, you didn't know you were supposed to take them with you and, and you didn't make the effort that perhaps others have. And you may feel some struggle with that. So first, just all of the above, okay? <laughs> so pray for your children. And this is, so you've never quite understood how to pray for your children. Well, pray for God's blessing in their life, for the promises of God to believers that their children would pray on the basis of Psalm 78. God wants the next generation and children yet to be born to know him. And so pray for soft heart and open ears. Pray that God would send someone as a witness and recognize you might be that person because they might not know you as a Christian. Your children or grandchildren might not have fully understood yet that grandpa or grandma, you know, mom or dad has actually had this spiritual awakening in their life. <clears throat> and so um, the self-examination similarly could be I just want to apologize to you. I, you know, when, when I was young and, and had a young family and you were, you were just children, I didn't know God and I didn't know I was supposed to, you know, pass along the name of God and the faith uh, of God into your life. And I apologize for that. So you might actually have it easier than our other friends, right? <laughs> because that will be such a brand new experience for your kids or grandkids uh, and, and you'll say it with freshness, you know, and a, 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 a zeal is often present in the lives of adults who, who've come to faith a, a little bit later in life. Um, so again, certainly don't be involved with scolding and nagging and others, um, but don't be afraid of, of talking about your faith. Um, be thoughtful about it. Be wise about that. Um, you too might want to write a letter or three. You might actually want to write uh, some letters, uh, and then that letter to be opened later. And certainly you should love at all times. But I think this is probably true for both. I guess all the remedies are, are, are true for both situations. But for those who didn't know they were to try, let your changed life invite questions. Because becoming a Christian is not, a mat, it's not an intellectual exercise where we acknowledge intellectually some statements of historical fact and import that others may debate, but you have come, become convinced that those are true, that 
Jesus is God's son that he died on a cross and that cross offers forgiveness for sin and eternal life. And then that's it. And then you just continue to live your life. No, 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 no. The gospel of Jesus Christ is about a transforming of our lives, which is again, why the self-examination up here, it's really challenging because as Christian parents and grandparents, we know we, we, we have said words to our children or in front of our children that we should not say, that we hold attitudes and, and we've let those attitudes leak out that we should not hold. And so it is, it is this transformed life. So I, I point you, uh, can't see down here on the whiteboard, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Set apart Christ as Lord of your life. So we start there. So Christ is Lord of my life. I, I submit my life to Jesus Christ. My speech, my time, my money, my attitudes, my behavior, um, all of this, all of me is now living in submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And it says, always be ready or be prepared to give an answer to anyone or everyone who asks you for the hope you have. So set apart Christ as Lord. As your life begins to change, some people are going to go, what is going on with that person, particularly our families? And it's hardest sometimes in our families because they know us, right? And when we try to change, they're still maybe remembering how we used to be, but I don't think I'm that person anymore. And so always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks you for the hope you have. But Peter goes on and says, but do this with gentleness and respect. And so it's this full package of Christ as Lord I'm going to win myself to Christ before I win anybody else to Christ. And then I'm just ready to answer questions. So be ready to tell your story. Every one of us should be ready to tell our story. Not, not the story why I go to church. Well, maybe that, but why Jesus is important to me, why God is important to me, what God's word means to me. So anyway, let me stop there. I, I, could, I could go on for another half hour, easy. But I, I hope this gives some, some handholds, you know, some concrete, practical steps we can take. Some of these will not be easy steps, and I suspect some of them won't take the steps. And um, we'll have to ask ourselves why we wouldn't take those steps, right? So let's pray. Lord, be pleased to win our children and grandchildren and perhaps great-grandchildren win the next generation to yourself. <clears throat> so take these ideas and make something hopeful and holy and, and good of them in our lives, through our lives, as nothing could be more important to us to, than to know that our children are walking in the truth. And so, Lord, hear our prayer and grant us the grace and humility of self-examination and, and earnest apology and faithful witness. Lord, 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 help us to love at all times. As we pray in the name of the Savior who has loved us at all times, even as he taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us 
from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May the grace and truth and the hope and life of Jesus Christ fill you to overflowing such that it cannot help but influence the next generation in your family and beyond. Amen and amen.